Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. You're listening to BJJ Brick Podcast, episode 16. Today we've got an outstanding interview with a grappler named Brian Freeman. He has an injury and he's paralyzed uh, in both of his legs. And he's getting on the mat and doing jiu-jitsu. So if you're looking for some sort of inspiration, you've come to the right place. Um, I was fortunate to interview him and he, he really hits home some of the things he enjoys about jiu-jitsu and what it's done for him and how it's helped him. So uh, stay tuned for the interview. You're going to love it. I don't know anybody who wouldn't enjoy listening to this this young man speak about jujitsu. Good to have you in here, Gary. How you doing today? Uh, doing great. Can't complain. Well, that's good. We got a little bit of mat time in, and you know, some podcasting. And... You know, I'm loving Sundays. A uh, little bit of training and a little bit of podcast, and uh, you can't go wrong with those two. Devote my Sundays to ju- to jujitsu. So. <laughs> yes, we have. I guess it's been it's been a good good times here. We've got uh, the quote of the week. It's gonna. I'm gonna tell you in advance. It's gonna be a little confusing. Um, it's by one of my favorite authors. His name is Daniel Coyle. Um, the quote is: "Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes myelin, and myelin makes perfect." And uh, what I asked Byron when he told me this before, and I know probably a lot of you guys are saying this, Byron, what's myelin? Well, I looked up the definition, and it's um, <clears throat> it's spelled M Y E L I N. It's it's proteins that, that surround the nerve fibers, um, and they increase the speed at which impulses are conducted. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> and we, me and Gary talked about it a little bit, and Gary came up with the analogy of it kind of builds a bigger highway. Um, so as, as – let's step down from the whole quote a little bit. Um, having more of the, of the myelin in your – between your the neurons in your brain – allows you to process and think and react faster so as you drill techniques and as you as you roll and get mat time um, the areas of your brain that are affected by that are actually building more uh, myelin and, and and getting stronger connection between them and it's going to happen um, your, your grappling is going to naturally get better um, obviously focus training and stuff is better for you but but your brain is going to become a, a better grappler brain. <laughs> it's like you're training your brain. Yeah. You know, you're, the, the information is processing faster. Your brain actually changes. The, the, the connection between your brain changes. They get, they get better highways between the connections, and you're able to, to do things at a, at a more effective rate. And you know, you always hear people talking about training their muscles and this and that. Uh, but training your brain is very important. Uh, you know, as Byron said, the information processes much more quickly. You're, you're going to hit the move. You know, it's just going to be muscle memory. You're going to hit it quick. The quote again is, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes myelin, and myelin makes perfect. That's Daniel Coyle. He wrote the book, uh, the, the Talent Code. If you don't want to read the book, that's fine. I don't blame you. But he does have a cool website, and he's always talking about uh, developing talent Quickly and effectively, and he, he goes out and he finds a lot of examples. Really interesting guy. Definitely not, check it out. Yeah, he's not going to talk about jujitsu. He hasn't yet, anyway. 
But that, it all carries over. Yeah, developing mm-hmm. talent in soccer or in music or whatever. Business or in anything. It, just, it, it's yeah, all the it's similar. Same. It's just developing, getting better at something. It's good. It's great coaching advice. Article of the week. We've got an article from freakoutandshutdown.blogspot.com. Um, the article is called Getting Tough. It talks about mental toughness. And I, when I first saw the, the caption of this article, I thought, you know, you think of mental toughness, you think like you know, somebody who's real like strong-minded and strong, has a strong will and, and, you know, they could have a bad day and it doesn't bother them and they could, you know, is that kind of what you think of when you think of mental toughness? Definitely. That's what I thought of uh, right off the bat. You know, you're somebody who's just getting beat and, uh, you know, I'm just thinking of when you're just getting pounded on or, you know, you're on the bottom and somebody's just going submission after submission and you just keep getting out of them and not quitting. You know, that's what I think of mental toughness. You're just a, a tough guy. Uh, you know, don't give up. And that's, he talks about that in the article, but he also talks about, um, like, developing mental toughness. And then he, he changes it towards the end there, and, and that's kind of why, when I read that, uh, you know, and Gary also agreed that kind of like, the article kind of, kind of took it up to another level. What really stood out to both Byron and I. Is mental toughness is being able to tap and not be bothered by that. And when we were talking about what our definitions of mental toughness was here just a minute ago, the last thing I would ever thought was taking it back to tapping. You know, I'm thinking of mental toughness. Hey, a guy who's not going to tap, he's not going to give up. But really, mental toughness is your ego is not getting in the way that you're not afraid to tap because you know you're not going to get hurt. You're going to come back. You're going to learn from it. Um, And uh, so... I, I think that's great advice right there. Yeah. Are are you avoiding the guy who tapped you last time and is and there's a good chance he'll do it again? Uh, you know, that's not mentally a tough thing to do. I mean, I, uh, mental toughness would be to roll with that guy, to get tapped, to try to try to get get better each time, obviously, but to not be bothered by that. I mean, we all get tapped. And it, it's hard, and that's a tough thing to do, to not get bothered by it. And uh, that's what happens a lot of times when you first start. It's it's going to bug you. Um, but you get to the point later on in your career, you know, or hopefully you learn earlier that tapping's not bad. Tapping is how you learn. Tapping is to keep you from getting injured so you can keep training and keep learning. You know, it's a it's a long process. Yeah, Matt, Matt Lowe caught me in the leg lock this morning, and... Um, it's a calf crusher, and he's he's done multiple calf crushers to me, and and I, you know, not trying to be rude or you know, I told him I feel pressure. It's I don't feel my leg is in danger. It doesn't actually hurt me much, you know. And it, while we're rolling, I mean, we're we're good friends, and and you can take that without being like, oh, it's a crappy submission, and you know, you're a good try, buddy. And and then he either you know lets go or I kind of get kind of put some pressure on him and get out of it he did it a little bit differently this morning he was on top the pressure was like 10 times and i tapped immediately i love roll with matt low i'm still gonna want to roll with matt low <laughs> not me i'm gonna avoid him no. <laughs> just kidding so, actually i did avoid him this morning i did not roll with him so sorry matt i'll catch you next time we don't always relate the article to the the topic of the day i mean it's kind of fun to to, to have one episode and it cover like such a variety of things, you know, like 
you could have, you could interview this guy, and then the article before could be something totally different. And that way, everybody kind of enjoys some part, maybe more than others. But this article, mental toughness, right on with yeah. our with our interview today. We we were trying to figure out where we were going to put this article with what was what interview, and uh, it was a no brainer. Um, you know, mental toughness is basically goes right with this interview. All right, Gary. I thought it would be interesting to have uh, Brian's coach, uh, Roy Marsh, on the on the show, kind of introduce him and, and talk a little bit about about Brian before the interview with Brian here. So, uh, welcome to the welcome to the BJJ Brick Podcast, Roy. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Um, yeah, I guess as you said, my name is Roy Marsh. Uh, I'm a black belt under Horace Gracie, and uh, I run I'm run one of the Team Rock affiliates here in North Carolina. We're a big organization. I'm stationed right outside of Bragg, so a lot of our, a lot of my students are military. We handle a lot of the contracts out of Fort Bragg. Um, so uh, Brian's been a, a student of mine, I guess, for a few months now. Although it seems like longer, he's been doing privates with me. He came in because his daughter does uh, jujitsu, and uh, she got, uh, you know, really into it. And I would see him all the time before class, you know, watching from the sidelines. And uh, he and I started talking, became pretty good friends. And um, he started talking to me about really wanting to get into jiu-jitsu, and we kind of decided that the best way to start would be he would do private lessons with me. Um, it was kind of, you know, I felt a good, easy way to bring him in where I could work on the fundamentals that I wanted him to do, but it was also a chance for me to kind of learn how to adjust what I was teaching him, whether it was the self-defense, whether it was the grappling, whether it was the striking for his situation. And uh, so I felt sort of after a few months as he and I kind of grew in our skill sets respectively, me being able to teach him and him working with us, we decided to go ahead and uh, bring him into the regular class. And, uh, you know, he's been, he's been great. I've got some really great uh, students um, that have worked with him. And uh, a big part of it for me was over the past couple of years, I was able to uh, train with the Valencia brothers and, you know, talking to Hoyts a little bit more about his father, Elio, and the way that he really kind of preached, you know, jiu-jitsu for everybody, and that these days, unfortunately, a lot of places say that, but they don't really practice it. It's kind of, you know, you got walk into the room, and it's all, you know, 22-year-old yeah. wrestler types. And uh, so I, you know, and I came up that way, too, don't get me wrong. You know, I came up in a very tough, you know, everybody's going at it all the time, and if you can hang, get out, kind yeah. of room. But I just felt like I really wanted to start embracing Alio's mindset, and, uh, you know, if I, if I could do it Brian, you know, that would be, uh, that'd be really proof that I was kind of really sticking to Helio's worldview. And plus, I mean, you know, why shouldn't he be able to practice jiu-jitsu if there's anybody who needs jiu-jitsu? You know, it's, it's not going to be the 22-year-old powerlifter. It's going to be somebody like Brian or, you know, a housewife or, you know, a kid. And uh, so, you know, it was a good chance for me to really work that and also, uh, you know, he's been a great student. He's been, you know, like I said, he, he got the addiction and you can see it in his eyes and he's in there, <laughs> he's coming in, asking me questions all the time. You know, I'm, I'm trying to hook him up with, you know, Hey, you need to check out some, you know, my, the people I look up to. And, uh, you know, we have a pretty good team. We have a lot of teams over North Carolina, Team Rock. And it's nice because he's already, I think, been to like a Dave Camarillo seminar and uh, a couple other guys have come through. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's really nice to see um, 
his passion about it. Yeah, sounds like he's got a great home there with you for his training. Um, how has he changed since he went from the private lessons to the actual regular class? Has he has that been a lot different? Has his his grappling changed a lot? Yeah. Um, well, the 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 couple things um, that I think he's changed a lot is one is you know you can see. Uh, the, the change I think that happens to many people. Like when I first started jujitsu, I, I kind of felt like I didn't really have a direction in my life or I wasn't getting, you know, I didn't have something in my life. When I started jujitsu, it was one thing where I was getting better at every single day. Yeah. No matter else, what else? If you could see that in him where he's just like, no matter what else, this is something that I'm getting better at every single day. If I just put the work in and you know, he his mindset became so much more positive. And when he switched from the privates to the class, uh, class thing. I didn't roll with him in private classes. You know, we might do a couple small situational things, but I was just more focused on his fundamentals, his shrimping. How do you shrimp? How do you bridge when you have this, you know, when you can only use one leg, things like that. And then we came into class and, you know, he wanted to start rolling. So, you know, of course I picked who he rolled with. And um, that's when, you know, that's the other, that's the other addiction, right? You, you come to class, that's one addiction. Then you start rolling the first time. And that's all you think. I can yeah. roll again. I can roll again. And um, I think it's it's been a, a huge. Um, I, I think you know I don't I don't want to speak for him, but I think you know when you have a situation like Brian's, you really start to second guess you know your your yourself a little bit you know and uh, to see now that he's feeling much more confident you know um, I would say that you know I told my students that the mat is like your life you know if, if you're a bully on the mat you're probably a bully in life if you're a coward on the mat you're probably a coward in life but if you change on the mat you change in life. You know, if you become more yeah. self-confident on the mat, it's going to extend out to your life. And I, I'm starting to see that with him a lot. You know, at first he would roll and just be kind of defensive and a little bit. And now he's rolling, you know, he's still defensive, but he's smart about his defenses and he's waiting for his chance to attack. He's not making an excuse for his injury. He's not making an excuse for his handicap. And part of that is, I, you know, we don't let up on him. We give him a hard time because <laughs> our team, everybody gives everybody a hard time, and I'm not going to spare him that. Yeah. You know, and that's, uh, you know. It's, it's part of it's, being a member of the team. What's that? It's part of being a member of the team. You, you're yeah, in there with everybody. Yeah, part of being a member of the team. Our team especially, is, we're always very, you know, we bust on each other all the time. And, uh, you know, he deserves that. Even if it means I'm going to insult him or, you know, make fun of him and he's going to make fun of me, you know, we're going to have a good time. Um, and I think that's one thing I'm really, you know, Adam about none of us is going to tiptoe around. I mean, he's a grown man. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, that's why I've seen the change is a lot of it comes from, and it's part of also like, you know, being part of the team, you know, when we're doing private, it's just me and him. Yeah. But when we're in the class. Now he's like, you know, I'm, I'm team rock. You know, he, he went out and got a, you know, hoist tattoo right off the bat. Cool. He even showed it to hoist. Oh, awesome. And had a hoist tattoo with a wheelchair inside the hoist's logo, and I showed that to hoist when I was down in Miami with him. And hoist thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. Um, yeah. So if, if you get a chance, you should he should show it to you. Um, and you know, just you know, I just told him the other day. I was like, look, um, the only thing I want from you is to not give up. You know. Yeah. And, you know, I, I I always told him, you know, if I got a black belt, you know, pretty much anybody can get a black belt. <laughs> you, know, just, you know, all you got to do is put your time and effort in. What what have you learned from Brian? What have I learned from Brian? Um, you know, I mean, again, part of it is is the idea that I think a lot of places focus on kind of the type A 
aggressive 18 to 38 year olds. And you kind of think that everybody not then is going to have lesser drive and lesser capability, you know, and, and it's not that way. He's got incredible drive, you know, he's got the incredible ability. Um, and, you know, I, I see that anyway, because, you know, we have older people and we have people who aren't that gifted and, but, you know, that, that's the part that really hammers to me as a teacher is you, you can't focus on the guys who you think are going to be the ones who, okay, this guy has a good chance to go out on the pants or this guy has a good chance to do this fight MMA. Um, everybody, you know, you don't know who has willpower. Just because somebody has physical gifts doesn't mean they have willpower. Yeah, that's... When I was down in uh, Miami for my test and Pedro Valencia Sr., who's a red belt, was a, uh, Alio's best friend, he used to say that Alio, on his list of, you know, what he valued in one of his students, you know, courage was very high, even higher than technique. You know, he, he wanted to with courage because, you know, pretty much anybody could be an athlete, but not all, you know, it takes courage to be a representative of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu. And sometimes we only picture that the people who are you know, strong and fit have courage. But, you know, honestly, it's the person who, who's going to be in a bad situation who is able to survive and fight and deal with the bad situation that has courage. We all know this. We've, you take, sometimes you take this guy who's really big and strong, you put him on his back, and they tap out real quick just from pressure. Yeah. You know, you're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're great when they're in a dominant position, but the moment they're not in, but they're used to being in a dominant position, right? And, you know, when you take the guys who are used to being crushed, you'd be surprised. They have a lot more, you know, willpower to keep up fighting. And yet we somehow think that the other person is braver just because they're always the one in the, you know, who are able to impose their will. That's good. Does I that think that, yeah. Oh, ex- yeah. Courage is, is not a physical, is not a physical trait. Is definitely courage is a, definitely a, not a physical trait. Yeah. And, and definitely and, the ones and, that are more tested, I think a lot of times have a lot more courage than the people that kind of get a little easier road. Yeah. And that's why it's really important as, as an, uh, I think an instructor and as a school that you, you know, you really promote that, the, the kind of invisible parts of jujitsu, not just invisible technique, but, you know, that people's mindset, you build up, you take that, you know, those, the, the abilities of courage and, and rectitude and all these things. And you really build that up just as much as you do the technique, you know? And, uh, you know, it's been really, you know, I know Brian's going to, you know, we all, as white belts, we all get smashed and Brian's going to get smashed, you know, even more so. Right. Yeah. But, he he understands that. Like we worked right off the bat with defense, you know, and he understands that. And you know, he's still in there. He's gonna he's gonna go with it. He's you know, one thing I'm not gonna make him do is you know, he's not gonna have any excuses. He hasn't come to me with an excuse yet. And he might say like, hey, they keep pushing this leg down. This is my you know, it's my bad leg. How do I deal with this? But it wasn't like, oh, they're only passing my guard because I have this. Yeah. You know, and so that's 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 what I you know that's what he's showing me is that you you know you look at how do I deal with this situation? Not how do I make excuses for this situation? Excellent. It's been a pleasure talking with you. This, this has been very informative. Okay, great. All right, everybody. I got Brian Freeman here with me on the phone. How you doing today, Brian? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm glad to, you, you uh, are doing an interview with me. I'm really honored that you're taking the time to talk with us and I think you'll be. This uh, is awesome. This is awesome. This is a new experience for me. Well, good to hear. Uh, take a minute here. Tell us about yourself personally, Brian. Um, I'm Brian Freeman. Uh, I'm from Rockingham, North Carolina. I'm 40 years old. I'm a disabled vet. I have a T4 spinal cord injury with Brown-Sequard syndrome. 
Um, I've been training jiu-jitsu for about seven months. Uh, about five months were privates, and uh, two months I've been in normal classes now, and uh, everything's going great. Um, that's pretty much me. Could you could you tell us a little bit about your team you train with? Uh, I train with Team Rock. Um, it's uh, Reality of Combat. Uh, we're under Team Voice Gracie also, um, but they're a great group of guys. A lot of them are out of Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And you have a, a daughter that, that does uh, martial arts as well? I do. I do. I have a daughter, Katie. She's eight years old. Uh, she started martial arts right after she turned seven. And uh, she started in karate. And after about six months, switched to taekwondo and jiu-jitsu. And uh, through jiu-jitsu, she had the idea that I should train also. And so she really stayed on me and made me believe in myself. And uh, it was all her idea. It was all her effort. And uh, so finally I took her advice, and uh, here I am now. She's also won... uh, two national championships in Daytona Beach, Florida, in Taekwondo. Uh, she's only competed once in jiu-jitsu, but she did very well. And uh, this year she's hoping to compete uh, two or three times. That's impressive. You must be very proud of her. Uh, yeah, I, could, I couldn't be more proud. She uh, she does really well and a uh, straight-A student, uh, good behavior, and an amazing martial artist. What what uh, branch of the military were you in? Are you in? I was in the Navy uh, from 1996 to 2001. Thank you for your service, Brian. I mean, that's a and your uh, sacrifices you've made. Thank you so much. I'm always appreciative of support. It means a lot. If um, somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? Would that be Facebook or Twitter or email? Or? Probably Twitter. Um, wheelchair Jitsu, all one word. Um, I'm also Wheelchair Jitsu on Instagram, and uh, those are probably the best ways to get in touch with me. Cool. I'll put uh, I'll put that on the website there for everybody. Awesome. Yeah, I, I really enjoy support. I really enjoy interacting with everyone, and um, I'm pretty much open book. You know, anybody can tweet me, private me, ask me questions. Uh, you know, I, I really I'm kind of embrace I realized I started inspiring people by what I was doing and I really embraced it so um, I want to continue that so you say you, you took private lessons for about five months is that what you said and then you switched over to just going to the regular class yeah that's right what was the um, transition like to go I mean I imagine that was a bit um, was that was that um, were you nervous about that or was it were you excited or what was that like I was excited. By that point, um, I was really ready to, to, you know, test myself and to test what I've learned and, you know, really apply everything and see how it, uh, you know, translated to people I hadn't rolled with, people who weren't aware of my situation. And, uh, I mean, you know, my training partners have been aware of uh, my disabilities, you know, to a certain extent, but not actually how I would be able to move and perform and things like that. So I was really excited about it. Um, I was really comfortable. And uh, so it was, it, it's all been a really good experience. So it's kind of when you got brought in more towards the, into the team. Tell us a little bit about the team that you, that you trained with. Um, 
I can't say enough good things about them. Uh, they really helped each other and they really helped me. And, uh, they, they take the time to, to put in consideration of the things I can't do to modify, uh, whatever, we're, whatever technique we're training. And, uh, but at the same time, they try to choke me just like anybody <laughs> else. Or, you know, yeah. They don't cut me any slack. They give me a hard time. You know, can you move any slower? Um, things like that because I have to, I have to scoot around the mat, uh, either drag my, you know, drag myself on my knees or scoot across my butt, um, to get places. And, uh, that's, that's still something I, I'm not, I'm comfortable with it, but it's, that's about the only time I feel disabled when I'm training. And, and really I think it's attributed to how I'm treated by my training partners. And, um, some of the guys are active military at Fort Bragg. Um, other guys are younger and uh, just getting into the sport good. And, uh, you know, they have goals, MMA goals, jiu-jitsu goals. And uh, there's just an awesome group of guys. That's good to hear. I'm glad you found a good team to, to train with. Yeah, they, uh, you know, they like to play jokes and uh, joke around and they keep it really lighthearted. But at the same time, they take the training very serious. Um, our coach is a uh, real detail-oriented person, and he, he really has a passion for jiu-jitsu. And I, I really feel like everybody on our team has that. I don't feel like anybody just shows up to kind of get a workout and go home and not think about jiu-jitsu anymore. I feel like all my teammates have a, a passion for it. Yeah, that's. I think that's just. It's something about the the sport of martial art. It's just it gets in your head. And if you miss a day or or you know right before class, it's like you start thinking of. It's just overwhelms kind of your thought process sometimes. Or you go home and try to sleep, and man, why did I get nailed in that choke or whatever? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I find my mind racing all the time, or just out of the blue, something will hit me. You know, oh, that's how that happened, or that's how I pulled that off, or that's why I got swept, you know, and it just never, never stops. But it's uh, something I, I really enjoy. I was addicted from the very first class. Um, and I think that's why I was able to put pieces together in my head and, and it's, you know, just something I could do, not just on the mat, but it's something I could do in my head when I'm driving, something I could do in my head when I'm pushing my wheelchair around. Um, it's just, something I can do with my head at any time I want to. That's very cool. Um, it's always in our heads, you, you and me both, but how has jujitsu helped you off of the mat besides just constantly thinking about it? Has it, how has it affected your other part of your life? Um, uh, I think in a lot of ways, every way is positive. Um, obviously the, the physical health benefits, um, it's driven me to, to be more active, uh, eat healthier, um, because of my spinal cord injury, I have a, I have a real problem with appetite and I have a, I have a hard time eating, uh, a lot of chronic nausea and pain and things like that. And, uh, <laughs> but those moments where I know I need to eat. Before jujitsu, I would just not eat, and now I'm like, I have to eat. I know I have to eat because I need the energy, I need the strength, and uh, so it, it pushes me in uh, 
you know, aspects I would have never imagined. And uh, that, that's probably the biggest thing is how it helps me deal with, with my disabilities at home, taking care of myself better, stretching more, um, just the overall health benefits. I think for me in particular, just because of my disabilities and the extra attention I have to give my body and things I have to deal with, uh, it's helped almost every aspect of that. Did you try to do anything um, like kind of sport-related before this? or uh, No sports. Um, I've stayed active um, at home. I have like a speed bag, um, some punch bags, things like that that I've done on my own before that just strictly for exercise. Um, but But no... No sports. I played football when I was in high school, um, but that's been about it. And then you're able to find the ta- the team aspect, and you know, if, if you think, if you just look at just it seems like an individual sport, but like you're saying earlier, there's a there's a t- it's a team thing. You know, you have your whole team it, there with you. And... Absolutely, I learned I learned a lot in, in the five months of privates, but I feel like in two months, just rolling with different guys i've learned an equal amount yeah I, I think that does accelerate your learning getting on the on the mat and and, and having somebody else that absolutely come after you like that what do you what do you like what do you enjoy most about jujitsu oh another way it's helped is um like it for a while, I didn't really feel like an easy target in my wheelchair. I didn't feel like everywhere I went, somebody was going to try to mug me or or anything like that. But, it, you know, it was in the back of my mind at times, you know. Yeah. Parking lots at night, things like that. And uh, But now, it, it, I still think about that, but I feel more prepared, feel more confident. Um, and, and, and that means a lot when I have my daughter. You know, with me alone. We recently went to Las Vegas for UFC 168. I wow. was really worried about. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, I was worried about you know being that far away from home, being in the crowds with her, being in a real familiar place. But you know, just having a little bit of jujitsu that I've learned so far, you know, gives me more confidence and uh, helps me relax more, helps me enjoy things more. How was how was the UFC? It was it was amazing. It was it, it was the best trip I've ever been on. Um, I've uh, I was befriended by Chael Sonnen a few years ago, and uh, he's been real good to me and my daughter. And then uh, so on this trip, I actually got to meet him for the first time, and cool. he introduced me to some uh, some guys in the UFC, you know, behind the scenes officials and things like that. And uh, it was nice to met. Uh, Donald Cerrone. Um, the, the, I think the coolest thing was I was um, coming up to a door to go into the front lobby of the MGM, and there was a guy walking in front of me, and I didn't pay much attention when he opened the door for me and held it. And as I was going through, I kind of glanced over, and I was like, wow, it's Gilbert Melendez. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, cool. and so I got a picture with him and uh, just things like that. It was just amazing. Um, the event staff, um, made sure I was taken care of my daughter. Um, the Q and A we got to go in first. Uh so you know, we didn't get rushed by the crowd, 
you know, trying to get good seats and things like that. It was just an amazing experience. I'll, I'll definitely do another UFC event. Awesome. Yeah, I've yet to yet to go to one, but someday I'll I'll be able I'll do it. But man, that sounds like an amazing experience. And it was an awesome card until Anderson broke his yeah, leg. Yeah, that that's very unfortunate. And just a crazy accident or crazy I don't know situation. <laughs> Yeah, really, well, we could we had pretty good seats, and we saw him go down and hold his leg, and we, you know, at that point we didn't know if it was his knee or you know what what exactly it was, and uh, they showed the replay up on the big screen, <laughs> and it was uh, it was something else to see. So I grabbed my daughter and we took off trying yeah. to be proud. Wow, what an experience! Hopefully yeah, he'll yeah, he'll get back yeah, on the road to recovery again. Okay. I'm so, I'm, hopefully Anderson Silva will be uh, back to back at it if he wants to. If not, whatever you know. But, yeah. Was that your first UFC? That was definitely my first UFC, cool. and um, it's definitely, it definitely won't be my last. Uh, I, to me, it was uh, something special to give my daughter that experience at eight years old. Um, she's you know she started martial arts at seven. And um, she she still loves it just as much, but to give her an experience like that, she says she already dreams about being a UFC champion and uh, things like that. So that, that was pretty special for me. Did your daughter have a favorite in the uh, uh, Ronda Rousey and Misha Tate fight? <laughs> Ronda Rousey. Yeah, wow, she's quite the uh, competitor. She's been screaming for Ronda for a long time. <laughs> well, I'm glad her her choice won. What what are yeah, uh, she, she, go ahead? She screamed the entire fight. <laughs> Find ways to make your best move even better. It will become a brick that you can smash with. A BJJ brick is a technique, submission, or strategy that can be made with hard work and purposeful learning. Grapplers who try to master everything lack focus and create poor weapons. What are some of getting back to jujitsu? What are some of your uh, your favorite techniques? Um, I, I, um, I'm still really adjusting. I'm trying to find the things that I like. Um, you know, taking notes of the things that I don't like, positions that that are difficult for me. Um. My left, my left side is impaired. Um, it's completely paralyzed. My right side, I have movement, but it's, it's maybe like 25% of what it was before my spinal cord injury. So I'm, I'm still really trying to, to get comfortable in positions that I'm able to move. I can shrimp, but it's hard for me to shrimp with someone on top of me, things like that. But um, I think arm triangles right now are, are what I... I'm most comfortable with because I'm I'm able to get them, you know, from my guard. I'm able to get them, you know, from mount. So um, it, it's kind of a submission that I've learned from different uh, positions, and um, I really like chokes. But that's just like my per- personal preference. I think you get a certain satisfaction from choking somebody. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've all experienced that. That's cool. Uh, arm triangles. You're 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 a guy that uh, that I can relate to. I love arm triangles. Something about them, just just the way they kind of slide into place. I, 
Yeah, and 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 it's a for me it's it's not a submission that I like to get caught in. I, it's uh it's one of my I, I don't like having my arm across my face and thing. I, I just feel like uh it's just not a position I like to be in. So I, I guess it's a position I like to put other people in for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well make it fun. Where's where's your strongest arm? Is it mount or from guard? Which one do you prefer? Um. I prefer mount um, simply because I can't close my guard. My left leg just kind of does whatever it wants. Yeah. And uh, so I, that's something I'm I'm really focusing on right now is, is uh you know my guard gets passed almost immediately, and uh, so I'm really working on some ways to to keep people in my guard or also to start working some half guard and things like that a little more. Cool. How have, you mentioned you mentioned earlier about kind of adapting some moves. Can you give us a specific example about a move that you've been able to adapt? Um, I, th- I think a lot of it is um, knowing which side I need to to attack. Um, Kamora's, I need to attack your right arm. Um, I don't do as well um, on my right side. Um, Sometimes I find myself, I'm like, oh, I can take it on the right side, and I get it, and then I'm stuck because I can't hip out and I can't do things, certain things. So I think that's been one thing is to um, to break things down and, and look at them and see what side I need to attack, um, it, it, you know, things like that. Um, nothing major. Um, I, I did work for a while with arm triangles, I I didn't think that I could dismount once I got the arm triangle, but I worked a lot of details to be able to get it tight enough to finish it from the mount without dismounting. But I discovered uh, Monday night that I actually can jump to you know either direction. So that that was a that's something else that I've enjoyed about jujitsu is that I, I learned things about myself physically that I would have never realized that I could do. So um. That that's been um that's been a big reason I think uh, that I haven't had to adapt as much. But the biggest thing I'm adapting right now is is how to how to handle people constantly passing my guard on my left side. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. I I know you have different situations, but that's jujitsu, man. Everybody's always passing everybody's guard. It's just, I mean, it's just it's. Being able to recover from a guard pass is is uh, pretty essential, and uh, you know the quicker the better, I guess. But um, and I've I've really been working on my my strengthening my my yeah. strength in my leg. I've, I'm not sure I've never reached my full potential of, of strength in my lower body. You know where I'm impaired. I'm impaired. My my abdominals are impaired. Um, my my goal four years ago was to be able to do one sit up, and I still can't do a, a normal sit-up. So my core is, is weak, but, um, you know, I've learned techniques to be able to get up and not have to use so much abstract, but it's something I'm really, really working on and focusing on because I would like to see how strong I can get, you know, the, the portions of my body that do work. Um, I know they'll get to a point where I can only get some strong, but, but yeah, that that's... um. um you know, some, some other things I'm working on. And part of the beauty of jiu-jitsu is you use uh, muscles in a way that you wouldn't use any other way. You know, like 
you get different parts of your arms and, and, and back and all these muscles that I know I don't use during other activities, but in jiu-jitsu, I, I know they get a lot stronger. Yeah, um, you know, I'm used to using my arms for everything. Um, you know, it's how I get around, pushing my wheelchair nonstop. Um, just everything I do. When I get out of my chair onto the bed, I use my arms. When I when I do everything, I'm using my arms. So I felt like I had some decent arm strength and some upper body strength, um, you know, and cause I'm used to moving my own weight around and things like that. But, well, after my first class, <laughs> I could barely move my arms and shoulders, and I discovered muscles I didn't realize I had. What would you say would be the the most rewarding thing about doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu? I think the most rewarding thing for me would, at this point, would be the way I inspire people, the way um, everyone's embraced me and supported me, and mainly the, the other people that are disabled in wheelchairs and, and have you know physical impairments that have contacted me and said, hey, how do I do this? Where do I go? Um, I sure wish something like this was around here. You know, it, I, I think that's been the most rewarding thing that I've inspired people that were in the same position as me thinking, you know, I wish I could do something like that, but I can't because I'm disabled. And, uh, and now I can set an example through Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that you can do things that you don't have to sit around in your wheelchair or whatever and, uh, you know, do nothing. I think your coach made a, a very, I mean, very wise decision. Do privates for a while, get you introduced to it, get you get it normalized for you before he brings you in and has a bunch of guys trying to choke you. Um, I think that I don't know if I would have thought of anything like that, but that's I think that was brilliant. Just to... he, you know, my my first few privates were I, my first private in particular was all talk. It was all. Um, distance, angle, just everything about fighting in general, fighting principles, the difference between uh, um, self-defense and, uh, you know, like MMA and, and things like that. Um, and, uh, you know, we started with basic stuff in my wheelchair, wrist locks, breakaways, um, you know, keeping my hands up. Situational awareness was a big thing. Self, self-defense was a big part of the first little bit of my training and then from there we started touching on some jiu-jitsu more um he had me do boxing um you know so i had some you know i, I guess it was the the best style for me in a chair because i'm obviously not going to be able to control the distance that much you know I, I can't push and you know keep my hands up to defend myself at the same time so a lot of my stuff has been kind of close range but when we started the jiu-jitsu, he, you know, he started out putting me, you know, in mount and uh, putting me in bad positions and teaching me about survival and the importance of it more, you know. Um, it, it was a while before I actually got to do a little more fun stuff, actually, you know, mount him and, and learn those positions. He, you know, he started me out in the worst positions, and, and we went from there. So, yeah, he, he – I, I was impressed – with my training from day one. The good thing about learning the survival aspect of the of grappling first is that you always have it and you're always going to need it. You know, it's it, it's fun to learn the submissions, but if you don't learn the basic escapes and the basic, you know, the positional changes and get yourself back in a in a good spot, 
you're going to run into trouble. So he kind of, I love how he set the ground, like the foundation for you with, with that. And, and I'm sure those, you know, th- those privates were tough and they weren't as fun, but shoot, if you can stick through that, you're going to be there in the long haul, you know? Absolutely. I- I'm amazed at how, how much of it I, I-, I retained and was able to uh, apply in my transition. And now, you know, I, I feel like, uh, I'm not sure if, if I would have liked it, if I would have just come to a regular, you know, adult class with, with normal guys. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if, if I might've been too discouraged, maybe. So I think he definitely, uh, he did it in a way that, that really kind of built my confidence too, because it was small steps. You know, it wasn't just popping into a class and seeing some new techniques and then rolling with a guy for a while. And, uh, being like, you know, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's rough on a lot of people. They just that's how it goes, you know, and and they and they kind of get get chewed up and and they and that's about it, you know. They're done. But I, I think that's good for anybody. Maybe do a few privates your first little while and kind of get some some foundation set. That's that's a, a really nice way to go. Uh, what would you say to somebody who is in a similar situation to you? and um, is considering doing uh, jiu-jitsu, but they're not sure if it's for them? Um, I would say find a reputable school. Um, you know, do a little research and, and find out who you're going to talk to and, and make sure it's someone who knows what they're doing, not you know just someone who's claiming, oh, I'm a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and uh, come to my school. You know, uh, do some research so you know that you're, you're dealing with a professional. And... Um, Talk to them, uh, explain your situation, uh, your deficits, your goals, things like that, and um, just kind of go from there. Um, I really had no idea what to expect, and that's I, I what I did. And I went to, to Roy, and I said, um, I'd like to train. I'd like to be active. You know, I didn't you know, specify jiu-jitsu. Um, and, uh, you know, he was like, sure, you know, we can, we can work with you. And uh, I've, I've learned, uh, you know, techniques in my chair. Um, you know, if I, if I wasn't able to move around on the ground the way I am, um, there were still things that I've learned that I could do. So, um, you know, just be honest about your abilities and lack of abilities. And um, and that that's what I would do. I think that uh, I think most people would be surprised at what they could do. What are some of your goals you have, um, whether on the mat or off the mat, that you're working on? Um, on the mat, I've decided uh, I would like to compete sometime this year. I, I know I'm a long ways away um, from feeling confident enough confident enough to compete, and um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how long that would take. I, I want to push myself and hopefully sometime this year compete. Um, I'm not at, right now. I'm not in the frame of mind where you know, I want to get good. I want to win. I want to do this and that. I, at this point, my goal is to be comfortable enough to compete, not with the intentions of winning or losing, but with the intentions of knowing that I have a chance and that if I do lose, I'm going to make somebody work for it. And because for me, you know, the the victory is getting to that point and being on the mat. Um, you know, I've 
almost died a couple times. And, uh, you know, I was thinking that, you know, my next breath was going to be my last. And wow. pretty much anything is better than that. So uh, <laughs> just to make it to the point to where I could get on the mat and, you know, shake somebody's hand and uh, compete against them, that that's, to me, that's awesome. That's something I would have never imagined I could do. I love that. I love your attitude, man. It's well, I, it, I, I'm, I don't know any other way. I love life. You know, like I say, any, anything is worse than thinking that your next breath is going to be your last. So even the days that I wake up and, you know, it, my worst physical days where I don't even want to get out of bed, I still take a deep breath and love life. I like your 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 competition. Um, when I first competed, yeah, I definitely wanted to win, and you know, it, win or lose, I mean, I, I definitely am not the uh, most dominant grappler on the in a bracket, you know. But um, I think my goal for me now, um, the next time I compete, will be to perform well, um, and and whether whoever it's across the mat for me, I can't control that person. I can't control how good they are, or how you know if they've got you know, this ability or that guard pass that would kill mine. But if I perform well and I, and I, and I fight hard, that's, that's my goal. And if I win, that's good. And if I lose, it wasn't in the cards. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's, that's, I guess that's, that's a little bit of a way that I haven't considered it because I guess I've focused a little more on my, you know, what the victory part is for me, but definitely that's a, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah. If you go out there and you and you perform to your to your best, you you've got nothing to to lose. Absolutely, you're right. Absolutely. Some people are gifted. Some people just love it, and they're not that gifted, but they love it just as much. And um, I think it's great. I think that's what makes it a great sport. Not everybody is a an amazing athlete. I'm, I'm in living. I'm living proof. I mean, I can't walk. <laughs> you know. So I mean, but I can still choke people you know i can still survive i can sweep i can submit i can i can do those things you know as a disabled person so uh and that in itself is a testament to jiu-jitsu you know not not me not what i've overcome or anything like that that i couldn't do it without the techniques i've learned um, it's, it's an emotional, your it's an emotional story you're sharing with us. And I, uh, thank you for that, man. I mean, I, 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 I contacted you and asked if you'd want to do an interview and just kind of out of the blue. I'm honored. You know, I'm, I'm honored and it, it's my pleasure. Like I say, I, I never imagined that I would get support like this. And I, I really never imagined that I would inspire other people to, to want to improve themselves, to, to want to chase their dreams or, do things that they've always wanted to, but don't feel like they they could with whatever you know, disabled, not disabled, you know, any of them. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely my honor and my pleasure. Well, thanks for doing it. I I appreciate you getting on here with me and and, and sharing everything. And if there's anything Anytime. we could anything we could do for you, you let us know, and we'll we'll be happy to help you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yep, thanks for stopping by. We want to thank Brian Freeman for the interview. It was an honor to speak with him and, and for him to share his story with us. We really appreciate that a lot. If there's anything we could we could do 
uh, for you, Brian. We're always here for you. We're, we're happy you're on the mat, and we're we're happy you're you're enjoying your uh, your jujitsu journey. And if you're if you're if you want to get on the mat, and you've got an excuse today, I think your excuse has been shattered by Brian. Um, you've got you've got no no reason why you can't get on there and start doing jujitsu today. Check us out next week, where we're fortunate enough to have Brian give us the quote of the week. Um, it's one of his core philosophies that he's that he's living by today. We also have an interview next week with Roy Marsh, Brian's coach. We cover a wide range of topics. After the interview, I really felt that I learned a lot about jujitsu, and I think that you will too. So definitely tune in next week for that. Um, we appreciate all the five-star reviews we've gotten so far on iTunes. They really mean a lot to us. Um, we read them all, um, and they help get us um, shown to a bigger uh, audience. So you can buy and like the Facebook page. Try to have fun on there, guys. And uh, I, I try to post something every day, and Gary's on there a lot, and so is Shimani, our friend. Gary, it was, a, it was an amazing episode, and uh, um, uh, looking forward to, to co- contacting Brian again. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, he's very inspirational, and uh, and you know, just hearing the story, you know, definitely makes me want to train. All right, until next week, guys. Keep training. Thank you for listening. I hope you find the time today to roll. After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Kenzo Gracie reach out to me on through Instagram and Twitter and um he gives me support. He, cool. Um, he keeps me going. You know, he'll send me a message. Make sure you move your ass today. Be sitting around. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. like that, you know, and when Henzo Gracie's telling you that you're like, Okay. I gotta do it. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go do it. That's cool, man. Yeah, Henzo um, The very first thing he ever uh the the very first thing he ever did I had posted a picture of uh, me and my coach, and I had uh, I had I was doing a Kimura on him, and Henzo uh, posted he's uh, it was uh, break it even if it's just to hear the sound. Oh God, that's brutal! <laughs> oh. I <was> like, wow, <laughs> dang man! So I, I, I took a snapshot and sent it to my coach. He said, "Cool." <laughs> cool. <laughs> That is cool, man.